and welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. I'm Katie DeSanto. And today we're looking at the Quentin Tarantino classic Pulp Fiction. But first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. What are we drinking this episode? What does everybody have on St. Patrick's Day? Tonight, I'm actually drinking a beer. Oma Gang, Rare Voss, which is um, one of my favorite beers. Uh, and here's my, my Oma Gang goblet. Oh, I like that. Yeah, goblet. we got that Good when trip. we were up there. Yeah, yeah. that was a great. Good oh my trip. God. Uh, great for stop. some people who aren't aware of the brewery, they make the Game of Thrones. Yes, they, they do. Beer, who people and, may have heard of. It's a great place to go. And I don't think this is one of their more popular beers, but um, it's very good. It's like a, it's just like a standard uh, Belgian ale. It's not crazy strong, but it's real nice. Have we ever met an Omegang beer that we <clears> didn't like? Uh, they have some. They have some interesting ones. I there's one of the Game of Thrones ones that I do not like. Oh, but it's like a, I I don't remember what it was. But. They had some weird Good stuff. Time. Remember, I brought down a bunch of the different types one time, right? Yeah, I yeah. think I brought like three or four of the different ones down. There was a wheat one that I thought was mm. not great. Well, it's mm. worth going there. They do a good little tour and tasting. Katie's drinking a cider tonight. It felt like I don't know a little strange to drink wine on St. Patty's Day. Uh, so Doc's draft. Sounds more Irish, I think. A little pear yeah. cider. Delicious. Doc holiday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I am drinking Guinness because oh, it is. Oh, good work, Brian. Somebody's got to drink the black beer. Because I shouldn't, you shouldn't be drinking a Belgian beer. That's right. Uh, on a podcast. I will have you know that St. Patrick's Day. our giant was sold out of Guinness, Guinness. today. <laughs> we tried. We tried to get mm. it for, for Jer. I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. All right. um, So we're doing Quentin Tarantino's classic Pulp Fiction. But Mm -hmm. first, it's time to fact check Uh, a couple of things we need uh, to do here from Mm -hmm. last week's episode. Um, Now, I have a note just added here. Do we need to change the name Commagers because we now have a hardworking English major on the podcast? I say no. And here is why. Uh, this is your podcast. I fully mm-hmm. expect you to do all of the work involved with having a podcast, which there is some work involved, and I will just be your special guest. Okay. Because I already have three special jobs. Special guest all the time. You have special. three jobs. I do have three jobs. How so many jobs you got this week, Mon? I have yes. three. <laughs> I have three jobs all of the time, and I can't put on, I, I can't have another one. <laughs> I don't think rebranding's a good idea right now. No. After that notebook episode, no, we got Kate, a lot Katie's of not traffic. Upset yeah. About the name of the podcast. And so. All right, we can move on then. Yep. That's it. We're Done. Good. Uh, Katie, fact check last week. Katie mm-hmm. brought up um, the idea of people um, pleasuring themselves into baseball mm-hmm. gloves, of yeah. which Jim and I found. To be ridiculous, and I'll horrific. still stand by that, regardless. <laughs> and, yeah. and horrific. But okay. Katie ha- has found some evidence yeah. of people doing mm-hmm. this. So, as a woman in the world, this is something I have heard before. Certainly, have never Where? experienced Who, myself. Is women like, in the you like, like at lunch? I don't know. Like, uh, Not like is, this, is that like, the kind oh, of stuff? I've done it, but like, is that, that the type of stuff that's that going on at those time baby out. showers you were talking this, about? This segment is called fact check. <laughs> so here's the. So fact check. So Katie went to the internet and. (laughs) Well, then then, hold on. All right. So moving on. (laughs) This is is proof. This is too easy. And there's a thing called Wikipedia. I will say that apparently there is a reference in the 1997 film Goodwill Hunting. But that also is a film where that someone could have just wrote that thinking it was funny. 
talk about how many times folks have done stuff because they've seen it in the movies. So you think people were inspired to masturbate into a baseball glove because they saw Goodwill Hunting? I am going to submit that I doubt that Goodwill Hunting was the beginning of that story, but that is it documented in film. Also, let's let's go back just moments ago, (laughs) where I declared this section not funny. (laughs) This section, this section of the show is called fact check. Fact check. So how am I supposed to? So when I asked men. Uh, do you masturbate into baseball gloves? Of course, they said no. Well, that, this isn't something that people are going to readily. Were you asking people? To. Did you actually yeah, ask that this I was week? Asking my coworkers, and nobody would cop to it. Oh, but on the internet, you'll find lots of folks talking about it. So Katie says, okay. "I'm right." Okay. Uh, that is interesting. Uh, here is a fact in fact checked. I actually have a, a number. 89% of our listeners said they would rather relive college than high school. A question that Katie Thank asked goodness. last week. We put yeah. up a poll uh, and it was a landslide. That's a strong um, win. Yeah, 89%. Fact. Uh, just quickly from last week's episode on Can't Hardly Wait, I forgot, I don't know how we forgot to mention that there was a Scott Bayo reference in can hardly wait a man he was oh, a yeah. pivotal yes, was. pivotal mm-hmm. moment in the film uh, charles in charge yes. uh, shout out there there's yes. a lot of random and um shout outs in that movie that don't feel uh like cliche that like they no. feel real well, yeah, like cause someone... how is scott, you, scott bayo is not a cliche right and then well <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it not in this like, sense. Ironic. Right, like, and, and the obsession with uh, Barry Manilow and Mandy. Like, yes. it's just so weird uh, yeah, that it had to be real at some point for somebody. So, so Jenna Elfman was obsessed with Scott Bayo, went to the mall. Yeah. And why I was so bummed is Aileen had done that for Luke Perry. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, and Luke Perry had died. And it was, but Aileen was rushed up to the mall because. Back in the day when there was no internet, she had heard that the so Luke funny. Perry was at the mall and she was so distraught to get there and Luke Perry had left already. Oh, so she did not get to meet Luke Perry. But uh, Scott Bayo reference, always amazing. And then just a quick AFI update. I am now 11 films completed um, in a less than a month. I Good watched job, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Awesome. Do you think you'll complete the list by the end of 2019? Uh I don't know. That's a Probably, lot. Are you setting a, a goal to finish the list? No, I'm not. I, I, I think because then it turns into a chore. Mm. Good point. And there's, um, and there's actually a bunch of stuff as I've been scrolling through that, like uh, on Netflix right now, I want to watch. Like I want to rewatch Michael Mann's Heat. Yeah. Um, is up right now. And, you know, and who knows some other... if this baseball thing will catch on. He might have a lot of time wrapped up into that. I don't. What if if he gets caught up in this baseball glove situation? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna stop. research this baseball oh, his glove. His mom's watching. That's I'm weird. Gonna... Don't. Oh. Um, Sorry, and Patty. That is uh, that is fact check. Uh, all right, Jim. Oh, one other thing I... I forgot to say. Yes. What I'm drinking. I'm also very tired, so I'm having some house cup coffee in my oh, bay there you go. in my Baymax head mug. And I don't know if you can see this, but Baymax favorite. has this was from. Peg and Jer bought me this in in um, Disney. Disney, and you can see Baymax as his battery. As I drink the coffee, I go from angry to more happy. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, how do you run down a film that its narrative is non-linear and involves characters dying and being resurrected, but not really resurrected? 
no. because it's a narrative choice. Um, explain the film to us, Jim. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Pulp Fiction is uh, basically a movie of that kind of takes place in three main parts, um, but it is the movie is cut non-linear, um, like Brian said. So. Uh, you get random sequences where a character who has died earlier in the film is back because the portion we're watching has take, taken place before that, obviously. Um, but the three main storylines are uh, the diner sequence. Well, maybe there's four. So there's the diner sequence where the movie starts and ends. Um, there's the story of Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace's wife, who is not important enough to be named here. Um <laughs> which Mia. is which is interesting yeah mia uh and then there's the the gold watch which has to which has to do with bruce willis's character um and uh what's the final one? Oh, the bonnie situation which is the one that quentin tarantino takes part in uh he's jimmy bonnie is his wife and the situation surrounding um a dead body in their garage um, marvin marvin poor marvin um <laughs> And this this movie basically is is uh, comes right out of the gate and tells you right up front it's a pulp movie, meaning um, it's basically uh, you know I don't even know how to what do they what do they even say oh, about gosh, bloody yeah. messy yeah, yeah. yeah. English you're the English major Katie well, what is a de- definition of pulp you gotta look it up because I thought Pulp Fiction was more about the the style of storytelling I mean it, it has to do with content but it's also kind of like the way it's told. It's, well, it, it comes from the the type of novels that were produced on a specific kind of paper. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I forgot that. But it did become synonymous with, like, I would say, like, noir and, and, right. yeah. and exploitative sort of literature where, right. you know, yeah, overly violent and things like that. But um, so... Yeah, and if you haven't seen this movie, stop listening right now and go watch the movie. <laughs> well, I'm not don't gonna... stop. Just watch this, <laughs> yeah. or Absolutely just later. leave we'll yourself, we'll leave your, yeah. leave your viewing uh, up, and, yeah. or, and sh- or you could just share this and then go watch. Yeah, it. yeah, that's okay. Pulp yeah. Oh, that's fun. So if you, um, it, no, no, but seriously, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, you should definitely see it. It is easily the best movie we've, I think, we've watched on Com Majors so mm. far. The only mm, movie, close. only movie I can say that is close for me personally is something the, about Mary. <laughs> no, son of a bitch. Notebook. Um, no, no. Jurassic is, Park. No, no. Oh, well, I, is the Big Lebowski as as well. a film? Um, I find those two to be the most interesting that we've done so far. Well, well right. this is There's like, like opinion. A, yeah, yeah, I think this is a game changing film. It's oh, like yeah, one of those ones like next week we're going to be doing um, 2001 Space Odyssey. This Tarantino is Kubrick esque in terms of like he did something that defines like cinema. Yeah, he invented a new genre. Yeah. And, and, and I would what I was uh, what I was saying to Katie is this was sort of like the, um, you know, just a few years earlier in the music industry you had the alternative movement with nirvana and mm-hmm. the seattle sound this was that for movies oh easily, yeah easily you know this what was this 94 94 uh, yeah and uh it was it, it changed everything if you can remember how many movies came out after this that sort of tried to copy you know 
Oh, the, very poorly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to copy the the uh like Tarantino's aesthetic, the, his his style, the things that he thinks are cool. Um I also said to Katie that this he writes sort of like if Aaron Sorkin writes this like quippy, like heightened intellectualism Elitist. dialogue, Quentin does the same thing, but for cool, not for <laughs> intelligence. And uh, well, he and he just crafts like dialogue sequences, like the whole thing. Obviously, like Royale, which he's the whole McDonald's thing, yep. and he's going off McDonald's, and then, but he'll be able to punctuate it with Samuel L. Jackson saying, "Well, what about Burger King? I don't know. I didn't go to Burger." King. yeah and, and that's like it it's just like that's the throwaway well, line even the first sequence which is the the couple talking in the diner um which i don't know if you if you how much you researched this one brian but um i read somewhere that a lot of this stuff was stuff that was sort of taken and thrown away from true romance yeah some of it he wrote and, this he actually started writing this when he a long time before and then stopped writing it and then started writing because he had written True Romance. He did um, uncredited script rights for um, damn, what was the uh, the Denzel Washington uh, summary movie with Gene Hackman? Uh, oh, yeah, he yeah. wrote all that uh, dialogue, which is a great movie. And then he finally kind of got this. Um but which not just shockingly was a slightly difficult script to sell at first. Right. Right. Well, I, and that couple that you meet right off the gate, Tim Roth. And uh, I forget the actress's name. Was she the uh, Amanda Plummer, Amanda Plummer. They remind me of the, the leads in true romance. True like romance, it yeah. could have been a scene in true romance. They could have um, had them. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's funny is that uh, that first scene is just them talking for, I don't know how many minutes mm -hmm. And it's it's amazing and intense and it's building. It starts with like this just kind of like haphazard chatting and then it quickly turns into we're robbing this diner over the course of I don't, it feels like, you know, five minutes that they're chatting um, and it doesn't really cut away. It just cuts between these two and, and the waitress um, and it's totally uh, engaging and it, it's awesome. I loved it. I. Right off the bat, I, I I think I paused it right there and I was like, this is amazing. Like right right away. Well, everything about it. I mean, they just have such interesting dialogue you wouldn't see. Uh, for example, uh, the foot massage thing where they go, they go back and forth about foot massages. And I, like some people might say no person would care that much about massages, foot massages and think they're that vital. But if you remember, Matt Fulmer felt that way. He, <laughs> yeah. he, he one time made a statement at a Res Life event that 95% of back rubs led to sexual oh, activity. Lord. I thought what you were going to say was that that conversation made for an unbelievable dialogue. But to me, that builds their relationship, you know, like that, that, that they have those kinds of conversations. Oh yeah. It just creates that idea for the viewer of of, you know, well, their and they do it in a hallway before closest. they're going to kill somebody. Right. Right. Which right. is fantastic. Right. And I love on that sequence. He did some really cool stuff in terms of visually like that sequence. They shoot it down the hallway. Mm -hmm. So your focus is still on the door and they're kind of away. And then they come back to the camera. You know, he did some interesting uh, things like that, especially the um, the close ups on all the dialogue. In particular, when they do the Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Close ups. Do you know he almost lost that role? Uh, to the guy who was the bartender 
Really? Um, yeah. He had, it was filming something and flew in and read for Tarantino and huh. uh, didn't do a great job with it. And then the guy, I can't remember, the guy who was the bartender, the other person worked there, read it and Samuel L. Jackson loved him. And then I think it was like uh, Harvey Weinstein or one of the Weinsteins called Samuel L. Jackson and be like, you're going to have to come back and read this. I th- they're going to give your part away. And he was pissed and he was filming somewhere and he had to fly back. And he and then he was nobody met him at the airport. And then when he showed up to read the guy who greeted him and say, hey, Mr. Fishburne, I love your work. Oh, oh my Lord. God. Fishburne and went in and just started free. He's like, I don't give a shit. He's like, he went and got a cheeseburger from like In N Out Burger and was drinking a Coke and just walk in and read the line. And they said, like, Tarantino said he thought Samuel Jackson was going to kill him. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're perfect. See ya. And he, and he does it. He's awesome in this movie. So it might you- be his best movie, which is pretty hard because he's really good. Yeah, and and I was wondering, he didn't do a lot really before this that really put him on the main stage. I don't know. He he blockbuster wise. No, he was about to be in um, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm-hmm. That's the third one, I think, with Bruce Willis. Yes. Um, they were about to be in that together. Um, and I think that might have been the biggest one um, he made like box office wise. And so this was big. And then after this, he could do whatever he wanted, basically. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the movie. Go ahead. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so what do you, why do you think, so we were talking about the purpose of the timeline mixing up, right? So how does that change the way that you look at the story, right? Coming to the diner as the last scene, which is actually chronologically a middle point in the story why does Tarantino have you end on that scene and how does it change the way you view the story's message, characters, discuss? Uh, I, uh, well, I do think that there's a lot of noir and pulp fiction of that genre that does things like that, where they kind of jump around and play with different narrative types. It certainly gave it the style that this was very different. You know, no film I can remember. I mean, at least in the modern film view, edited anyway like that. So I think it added to that aesthetic that he was going for. And I do think that it, in the case of John Travolta's character, I think he became more and more unlikable the more you saw him. So I think if you had played out that restaurant scene at the beginning, his relationship with Mia and the concern for him that something was going to happen to him if he died wouldn't have been there. If you go look at the sequences of him in the Bonnie um, part and then in the restaurant part when he's going at Samuel L. J., uh, you know, Samuel L. or the way he treats Harvey Keitel in the Bonnie sequence, John Travolta's character is a flat out dick. Hmm. Um And that's not the case when you see him in the first part. You get the quirky Royale with cheese discussion. I think Samuel Jackson's painted more as the really evil one. He's the one that does the whole dialogue and then kills um, the catcher, Doc uh, Midnight from uh, Field of Dreams. Um, But then the more you start to see it, the more you start to see it, his character in those other sequences is very unlikable. The oh, way he talks to say, and so I don't know if that was done, but I think 
at the part in the beginning, you're kind of like, oh, man, John Travolta. And it's almost like when he gets killed, which is crazy in terms of that narrative, it's like the middle of the film. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, he got killed. But then you see every time you see him after that, you're like, this guy is more and more of a dick every time I see him. So who yeah. really cares? He's killed. Yeah. And in the t- so he gets killed in the middle of the movie. But in the timeline, it's uh, really the the end. Right. I mean, it's right. it's the last thing that happens, I think, is. Well, well, it, no, because he gets killed and then Butch escape. But yeah, right, right, you right, know, right. There's the whole but bond, in terms yeah. of the in terms of the Samuel yes. Vega storyline, you don't see them again. In right. That, and so what respect. I think is interesting and me and Katie focused more on the stuff that we chatted about was the change in Samuel Jackson's character and how that diner sequence is. Is pivotal in that, meaning, um, you know, he he and. Vincent gets shot at at point blank range in that that apartment or whatever it was where they go to pick up Marvin and and get the case back, um, and he has like an a he has like a religious moment like um, I just witnessed a miracle I'm not dead what does that mean and he's totally you know questioning his life it's a transformation yeah and yeah. so to go right into that. Um, you know, at the point where uh, they leave Mr. Wolf's, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think, I think it's really setting that that moment up in the diner to beginning and the end to be like the 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 kind of linchpin of the movie. That everything sort of hangs on that moment where he decides he's quitting. Yeah, and is that and also is that why? He's Vincent. not with Vincent when Vincent, Vincent dies. dies. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. There is the this, the idea of redemption. Uh, one thing here is never has a man taken a dump and come out to more people with guns. <laughs> Every time he, he is, maybe that's why Jack Bauer never used the bathroom right. in 24. Right. Right. He was inspired by the fact that he would turn into Vincent Vega. Every <laughs> time he's going to the bathroom to read his book, <laughs> he comes out and someone has pulled a gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone has a gun. Uh, Bruce Willis, by the way, really pissed off that he didn't get to be Vincent Vega. Really? Huh. Yeah, he wanted to be Vincent Vega in a big way. In fact, uh, Harvey Weinstein, grade A alleged uh, scumbag. Uh, well, and I know he hasn't been found guilty yet. Yeah. Alleged yeah. Um, was like, there's no way John Travolta is doing this. Like when he read this script, they basically give gave Tarantino whatever they wanted. Yeah. And he's like, you can have everything, everything. No, John Travolta. John Travolta mm-hmm. was coming off the Look Who's Talking series. Uh, he had just done the third one when the animals had started talking. Oh, um, I, and they I were like, they, yeah, this one. dude is not. Well, what's, what's, we are not going to let him be in this. What's funny about that is who was the baby's voice? Am I supposed to know that answer? Bruce Willis. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, you should know it's that. a How Did This Get Made episode yeah. with Conan O'Brien. Yes. Uh-huh. We As did guest. listen to that one. Yeah. Um, yeah that's but oh, no. Travolta was, this is funny because this was so 94. So we were in high school. Yeah. And I just remember John, the rest of high school and even early college, John Travolta was like in every. Mm, it was yeah. like, he has got to be in. And now he did follow it up with Get Shorty, which is a that's a great really movie. freaking good movie yeah and then he made lucky numbers at some point which yeah. we have referenced. We and what's the that. the other one that's supposed to be like one of the worst movies ever made 
uh, the Dianetics movie. L. Oh, Ron like Hubbard. Battlefield, Battlefield Earth. Earth. With yeah. Barry Pepper. Yeah. Michael oh, was good. Yeah. Was that before or after this? Uh, that was after. not good. This is. It was good. Uh, it was I, oh, good. I, it was another. Good. It has but that another was great no. But Michael's scene. one of those movies. He was in because of this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, get yeah. John Travolta. Get John Travolta. Everything. You had to have John. Face off. Travol- that was another well, great movie. Face off. Is, face off. Uh, bro- Broken Arrow. Is that him too? Uh, Broken Arrow. Yep. It was yeah, Christian yeah. Slater it's and Howie Long. Howie Long. Some really good stuff there. Uma Thurman. Awesome. Really good in this movie. What I said, that, I, not yeah, go ahead. really good. I'm not. I don't think she's someone I usually think of <clears throat> as is wanting to see in films. Oh, uh, but she's so good. She's she was good really in good in movies, this movie. Yes, specifically. Well, it's well, yes when she's in Tarantino movies, she's amazing. I yeah, mean, her and Kill Bill. Yeah, amazing. Next and level. I would. I said as soon as I saw her, it sort of like it reminded me how Tarantino places such an emphasis on. Um interesting looking women in his movies like he makes her there like to me at that point i'd never seen someone really looking like her she mm. almost looked it looked like um malcolm mcdowell from clockwork orange at certain points oh, a little bit yeah that's actually true that's very true yeah she really did have that i thought you know what i really loved about this and this it just i don't know if i would have picked up on this but i had been listening to the light the fuse podcast yeah the mission impossible podcast and they had brad bird on mm-hmm. um this week and he was talking about um in that film he didn't want to show tom cruise right away in it so they kind of alluded to it in different ways and then they finally showed him and it was kind of a, a you know a tie into classic hollywood with films like um the third man and high noon uh and tarantino did that so well on this you don't see ving rames the way they introduce Mm -hmm. his character the way they introduce uma thurman in terms of alluding to her for so long and then you finally see her Mm -hmm. yeah i i just was amanda it was amanda from can't hardly wait amanda from can't hardly it's just that classic hollywood way and he did such a good job of you build up in your mind who these characters are going to be before you even see them yeah Mm -hmm. Um, and she was an interesting choice because she's not, I think, unless you, you know, you have to go back into your mind the first time you saw it. Maybe you didn't know Uma Thurman or whatever, but that probably isn't who you're thinking of. That type of character. No, especially you know, when you talk, did, yeah. You would have probably thought like a blonde bombshell, you yeah, know, Hollywood star. Yeah. All three of the women, right? Yeah. So when you think about who Bruce Willis is going to have as his partner. Yeah. You certainly do not picture his girlfriend. And then the same thing with the relationship in the diner, right? Like, right. what kind of a woman is going to rob, <laughs> right? Like, and well, the cab, she, the cab she turns on a dime and she goes from nuts. honey bunny to, yeah. like, yeah. drop everything. Right? She might have some m- mental issues. Yeah, but it's I'm awesome, just throwing right? That like, allegedly. I love the, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but I thought he it was great in that. And uh, it, just the, just again, the dialogue. When you think about the dialogue and, you know, that leads into one of the questions somebody sent you, Katie, about the film. Uh, are you ready? Fan question? Yeah. 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 You want to you uh, talk about what, what uh, Jimmy sent over? Yep. Can, do you have it there? So I can read it uh, yeah, word I do. for word. Okay. Uh, so l- listener, Jimmy Costanzo, a, uh, a film. Screenwriter himself. Screenwriter, yeah. movie aficionado. He wrote Pulp Fiction, so this is a great question. Yes. <laughs> Uh, if Pulp Fiction came out today in 2019, how would it be received? Would Tarantino be run out of town? Would it land the same impact? 
Interesting. And I know that uh, I think Ed's still in chat. Keenan might be out there too. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, for me, I even watching this again, I think there is a lot of art where as soon as you see it, hear it, feel it, you know that there is something special about it. And I get that from this movie. And even if parts of it are would now be considered super offensive and and problematic, there are other parts that are really elevate, elevating the art of film and really and, and when we look back on it, changing the way that films were made after this. Um, yeah, well, listen, and, people yeah. still talk this way. I was on a train uh, coming back from Boston yesterday. Uh, I don't have a lot of luck on trains. Sometimes my first time I was ever on a first time I was ever on a SEPTA train. I was called a cracker in the I middle they of called a, you a honky. It, it, it was a cracker oh, uh, in the okay. middle of a, a potential gang fight. Um, but I was sitting on the train coming back in uh, home from Boston. And there, so we're all sitting. It's six o'clock on a Saturday, not late by any means. There's uh -huh. children on the train. Yeah, next but it's to me with, also St. Patty's Day weekend yes, um, in Boston. There is an African-American man. Mm -hmm. uh, and if people want to complain about the use of the F word or the N word in this film, Every other word was F word or N word. And the conversation started like this. He was wearing headphones like Jim and I and Katie have on, if you're watching, mm -hmm. uh, talking into his phone. So everybody on the train can hear about how he had packed his bags and because the police were going to keep showing up at this house <laughs> and he not for something he had done but if they went into their room and found what he had in there he would be in trouble mm -hmm. and f this and then that so i had to pack it in this bag no i have it in the bag right now that's good on the train announcing to everybody um that he had it in the bag and he could not be arrested uh for other people's problems so he was transporting the bag uh to his aunt's house okay. um well, fair. yeah and that was fair so but and so the dialogue was uh, a tarantino scene and it's it's in real life so i think mm -hmm. it is still realistic there, to this day. there's a difference though yeah uh so like samuel l jackson throwing the n-word in every other word he says fits with his character, right? Uh, yes. The, to me, the worst part of the movie is Quentin Tarantino's random appearance as a character because he's a good writer. He's not a good actor. And so that character felt super stiff already and not really believable. And then when he starts using the N-word to talk about the headless black man in the car talking to Samuel L. Jackson, and then we see that he's married to a black woman. Well, yes, um, but I thought that, I, I actually thought that made sense with that character, because he's not. a guy who thinks he's black. I, so he's I didn't get that. He's this guy who thinks, I didn't he's get like, that. Jules is his, you know, his buddy, you know, his yeah. friend. Somehow, I didn't get that I'm in the sure. way that they spoke yeah. to each other. Well, like, I think uh, he's very odd. Now, uh, now so right, now, if it was, was more that there was a relationship with the wife, almost, like, right. it, it, well, like it didn't I make sense that they were actually he was, friends. Yeah. The well, way I, I they thought, had dialogue with each other was not that of, like, if two it guys was, that are friends. Uh, what's his name from True Romance, if it was... Uh, uh, who plays the guy, the drug dealer in True Romance? Um, oh, man. Not Brad Pitt. No, it's the other guy. It's uh, from Batman. Um, 
Val Kilmer. No. But anyway, he if it was Kenny, if it was Kenny Fisher from from, yes. from Can't Hardly Wait, you'd be yeah. like, oh, it makes sense that he would say that and think yes. that he could get away with it. Right. Yeah. Um, Quentin Tarantino looks like he's supposed to be like a bank broker right. or something. And, he's like living in the suburbs. Well, I don't know about that. He was he's just got living nice it like in the middle. I felt like he was living off his wife. But there wasn't anything... <sighs> It, he he was the for, for me the missing link. He was the well, piece he was the that worst was Everything yeah. that happened with him, yeah. I wanted yeah. to focus on all of the other characters in those scenes and not him because well, it, it just he didn't work. Eric Stoltz had his choice of characters, uh-huh. so Eric Stoltz could play the Tarantino role or the role he picked. Gary he Oldham. Picked. Yeah. Gary Oldham. Oh yes, yes. Thanks, um, Keenan. And he, but so Eric Stoltz picked the character he picked, and then Quentin Tarantino just, I don't know if that was budgetary or him just wanting to be in it. I am sure it was, yeah, you know. But yeah, he also, how about this? He also, he also kind of wrote, if you notice, there's a story by credit in this, uh, him and his friend uh, who went on the right stuff, and he kind of made his friend sign a thing so he could have written by, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, he had to have check. that signed Does off have so some, he could like, do that. Quentin Tarantino insight stories? Cause I just I get the impression that like he's a little bit of a jerk, right? In well, real life, I think more than a little. Okay, great. That's what I thought. Um, and so like Jim was doing a little research on yeah. the, the use of the N word by Quentin in the movie, and apparently there was like a conversation between him and Samuel L. Jackson where Quentin was basically like, "No, I'm using it. Yeah. No, I'm, no, I'm saying it." And I, it makes me like him even less. I mean, I, I like I love this movie. I think the movie is great. That scene, I, mm, I no. think. He, well, he just thought he was. I just think he thinks he's trendy and cool. I know, but it hurts the whole movie. Yeah, that, like oh, that yeah. choice, that ego, like his decision to insert himself and then have this character that doesn't really make sense using language yeah. he shouldn't be using. I mean, yeah. I, it, I think that is. I I, I think that's a v- very valid criticism. I also think he is. In a film where the acting is so good and the delivery yes. of it. First of all, he doesn't have the acting ability to deliver his dialogue. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the Agreed. problem. To be, totally be an actor in his film, you know, well, that's Quentin Tarantino I, could be in The Dark Phoenix. There's so many. But we said like Frank Costello can, drops those lines. It totally makes sense, right? Well, yeah, Give Jack me Frank Nicholson Costello. could, yes. And that like that it. makes sense right. that he is yeah. going to talk like that. And it doesn't yeah. make you cringe as much because well, he's a dirtbag. Perfect example is, and when doing a little bit of research on this, um, Samuel Jackson basically said, dude, I don't know if we should do this. And he said, no, I'm doing it. And here's how I'm going to do it. And that's how I'm going to say it. Um, and I think I think Samuel Jackson convinced him to make his wife black so that it sort of yes. softened okay. it. So then, it but, soften but wait, but wait. So but I think he actually learned from this because I think in his, and I'd have to go back and watch the kind of his progression here. But in something like Django, which, you know, obviously deals with this on a whole nother level, oh, yeah. um, he he has. Uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, who's a despicable, disgusting a human person. being. Yeah. To me, totally makes sense for him to be using that kind of language in that in oh, that film. And and it's a historical piece. That's exactly what would have been said at that time. Right. Period. And 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 the fact that he's uh you know, that's pretty much the whole theme of the movie, right? Is this is this uh you know black slave getting getting freed and, and becoming you know a free man and 
and kind of finding his place and, and getting revenge. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, I haven't watched a lot of the Quentin Tarantino movies uh, more than a few times. You know, I think I've seen Pulp Fiction the most, but I don't remember as much of a cringe worthy moment as, no. as that. Yeah. Again, I, I, I would thought... like to bring up Tess Malone's point, if that would be all right with the two of you. I think it's quite relevant. Yes. So Tess said, you shouldn't care if you like the man or not. If this was the case, you would watch very little. Yeah. And agreed. I totally get that. And I oh, yeah. and I talk to my students a lot about distancing the the art, the literature from the creator at times because <laughs> folks have made some beautiful artwork and have also been despicable human beings. Um, I think that the difference for me is him inserting himself into the film because yeah. na- now he has put himself up for criticism in a different kind of a way, right? Like that. And that's yeah. to me, that's an ego driven. That's not just the random M night drive by, you know, like the man in the, cl- in the crowd, you know, M night is always some random uh, M night's much better than he is too. In his but, parts. Right. So to, yes, this is this is an important less. part, right? Yeah, like this yeah. is one of those side yeah. characters where you know that that kind of a side character can be like a make or break, right? Where right. you you have these small characters in a lot of movies that like add to the film, yeah. right? Well, that detracts from the film in a big way. I think I think Jim's right. I think this is his second film after Reservoir Dog, which Reservoir Dog was really made on almost no money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was hubris in it. I, th- I think I think there was so much stuff about him thinking everything he was doing in this was going to be cutting edge and I'm going to be edgy. And there is a lot of edgy yeah, stuff. And, and, so you you, think, and this is just like you get in that vacuum where you're like, I'm Quentin fucking Tarantino and I'm going to do what I want in this film. And nobody's going to tell me anything other than that. And I think he probably did learn from that and clearly he must have learned something with samuel L. jackson and samuel L. jackson must have felt comfortable because they do work together moving forward right. and you do these things like well, on i will say and this things like that to your point that you just mentioned the reason samuel L. jackson came down on the side of being okay with it was that he said in his head he's like well if i tell him he can't do that then i'm altering the mind of the writer like i need the writer to be truthful to what he thinks is right and what he wants to do. And if he doesn't do that, we're going to get a bad product or we're going to, we're going to get to a place that, that doesn't come through. So I think to what Brian's saying, Samuel is sort of taking the good with the bad. Like I need him on that edge to get all the other amazing stuff. We might have to take this, this Mm. 10% shit. And and it's interesting because I I think this, what do you disagree with? Well, because I think then you're kind of catering to an audience, right? So you're saying like, well, this could this could impact negatively a, per- a percentage of your audience, but we're going to accept that risk because, right? Like to me, that's what that yeah. But I think is, you're thinking like, I think it's okay if it do- if it doesn't sit but well I also, with a lot of people. Like, but I also think you have to think about these type of people, and I, I agree with Jim like this. And it's like if you study. Kubrick or you study some of these other people, their vision and it's right or wrong. I think sometimes it's what makes people genius. They achieve things that nobody else could achieve, but it's also why people like Steve Jobs and some of these other people can really be vile people at times. It is they are so 
sold on their vision and it's going to be their vision and it's not going to be altered and it's going to yeah. be exactly what it is that they they don't usually do well with criticism and and they're not it, it if they're going to ad, ad, adapt or change over time it's going to be them having to in their own mind come to the grounds that no i think this is okay so samuel L. jackson saying to him oh you need to understand quentin this isn't what we need to do isn't going to work for something like quentin tarantino quentin tarantino needs to think that it's the original idea of quentin tarantino that you know what i did this dialogue in pulp fiction or something like this i'm five films into this now i'm looking at it and maybe i cringe a little bit at that line and i'm not going to do something like that again but they're just not receptive i think to things because jim's right they they and i think samuel jess probably right like the guy who wrote a scene with ving rames getting well, oh, that's, so and that's getting the other chopped, one, right? So that's chopped the other in scene half that we with, talked about. Uh, yeah. With a samurai sword. Right. So it's insane. That scene. So looking at this as a 1994 movie, brilliant. That movie comes out in 2019. No, not okay. So, like, that, the portrayal of your only arguably gay characters in the entire movie being deviant sexual predators uh, who present themselves as rednecks, have an obsession with weaponry. Um, That is like pandering to so many stereotypes. It's deliverance, right? Like it's it's like a modern take on deliverance, right? That you're going to go into the the redneck country and you're going to get butt raped, right? Like that, like that's, Oh, that's that's so problematic. That scene to me is so problematic. I Again, love this movie, I, I, but I think those two scenes. I think they're. I, I think they're. I I think our thought process is more influenced by a modern viewpoint where he sure. writes those. I think is them being more edgy takes. I don't yeah, know if you can take uh, that as edgy though. I, I think at the at the time in 1994, I think he was introducing a lot of people to. The idea that this like submissive and dominant type culture even existed. Sure. And and, you know, it's interesting. I, I Yeah. So there there's a lot of ways you can approach that. Right. It being all men right. in the room. It plays differently than if a woman was involved. Right. right? And, and, and I, what I also said there is when you think that through is to me is that I never saw them as homosexual characters. I saw them as like these. Yeah. Like just awful. But that's weird. Right. right. Like, so well, like straight men. Well, the fact but that the, like, I don't like I don't like any way to talk about it. Right, right. <laughs> right like. But but we've seen this in 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 all kinds of prison movies in in this this idea that So is the implication that they like on the outside like most people think of them as like tough straight men and the way that they're playing out their true like sexual tendencies is by these like horrendously violent acts anyway it doesn't do anything in 1994 this doesn't do anything for folks that are struggling with understanding homosexuality uh finding tolerance oh, see, I, it does it's see, not I didn't, helping i'm that. like jim i didn't take that i i thought take them as a whole separate yeah. deviant subculture of los angeles i didn't see it as commentary on homosexuality because i wouldn't 
I just thought they were sick people. Yeah, I mean, they could have been doing he could have done that to a female character. I thought it was interesting that he chose a male character, which I thought was really different than I mean, the thing would have been obviously the Hollywood cliche would have been somehow Bruce Willis's girlfriends with him. And it's her they're doing it to, or somehow Mia Wallace is there, and it's her being done. It's like a, a almost an attack of humbling Marcellus Wallace, this guy who's supposed to be this hardcore guy that will kill anybody and toss people from you know things, and look what they're going to do to him. They're going to do, I think, the most horrific thing you could ever do to any person, uh, but that, which see, is to again that them. like that plays on that. I, I think that it is important that it's it's men in the room and for the time period I think that's playing into a stereotype but again. I I that is I, I would like to know what stereotype you're talking about because well, I don't think that's a stereotype that exists I think that it does I mean we're gonna get real serious now um so Wait, you there's, think there's a stereotype that you think that that homosexual people are just raping people no that they're well right that there's like a deviance to right so you see this same notion with like okay like the deviance like child yes, that molestation right that like well you know if they just let priests get married then we wouldn't have young children <laughs> yeah, uh, right like yeah, that yeah, right, so right, right. that's that same notion that you know that there's a deviance to homosexuality and that gay men are just looking for any opportunity uh, to. Well, it's a fair criticism, but I, I don't. It is. I just didn't take it from that angle. But I, I think it is fair to say that. Yeah. If you want to. All right. How about the fact that this lost the Forrest Gump in pretty much every category? Yes. I am very public in my dislike of Forrest Gump as a film. I think it's one of the most overrated films um, of the of the 20th century, and I, the idea that. It, Forrest Gump means more to cinematic history than Pulp Fiction is really weird for me. And Jimmy Costanza was on and makes a good point. Uh, if if Forrest Gump came out today, Hanks would be blacklisted. Mm -hmm. uh, a portrayal of someone with a uh, mental handicap. Right. Um, and the way he is portrayed. Uh, that uh, that portrayal might be more offensive than which is interesting because in that movie i from what i hear is still being shown a lot in schools yeah <laughs> I, I, high every school year students. Have students ask uh we're gonna watch forest Gump. it's yep. the we didn't start the fire of films every bad history teacher says oh, i don't want to teach in uh june <laughs> so well everybody here take uh we didn't start the fire and uh research all of this yeah. and then we'll watch forrest gump Ed's, ed uh, neither, does... by the way neither are good hot take uh we didn't start the fire is a crap billy joel song. it's a terrible song but there's a list of a lot of illusions yes but about. um ed wahesh makes a good point forrest gump has a nice soundtrack nice i <laughs> i will say that i will raise it almost famous and just be done <laughs> it's a, but it, it does have some good it's got some good songs let's be very clear there was no way that mainstream america was ready for pulp fiction whatever no. criticism Absolutely. the violence when marvin's head gets blown off i, mean, I this dude i remember insane. the day i was in school i was a sophomore i think yeah i was a sophomore in in high school and my religion teacher came in. He was new. He was brand new. Um, he was young, uh, Mr. Braithwaite. He's been at the prep now forever. Oh, he's, for, oh yeah. Yeah, and he's he he's the big theater guy there. Um, he came in and he said, "I saw Pulp Fiction last night. It's an amazing movie. 
there's a scene in it that is probably one of the most violent, disgusting things I've ever seen on tel on film. And I was literally laughing the entire time it was happening. But that's and interesting because when you said that, I was you like, thought which, of you which scene? Which scene? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. there's a few. The the scene that stood out to me, I was trying to remember. I remember watching this movie in high school, but I didn't see it in the theater. I think that it was like a free Showtime weekend. Like, I can clearly remember watching this in my house, and it was mm -hmm. unedited and being like, Blown away by you it. Could, your parents didn't even let you watch Dirty Dancing. How did you get away with they that? They did not know I saw this movie. Um, Were they talking about sorry, this in the Peg. bush? No, <laughs> I don't remember talking about this bush? movie with my friends, but I hope I think we did. Um, anyway, the scene that I remember being stunned by is the adrenaline to the heart scene. Like that's oh, the one God. that is oh, yeah. like sealed yes. in my memory. Yeah, forever. yeah. Well, there's a lot of that. In no, this you're movie. right. There's a and, lot of and, visuals and the dialogue. The dialogue, like Dialogue's watching this amazing. movie. I can recall, and Katie makes fun of me because I can recall a lot of lines from a lot of movies, but there are a lot in this movie mm -hmm. specifically that just the first time I saw it were etched into my brain. Um, there, There is a um, an argument to be made. He's got to be one of the top five dialogue writers oh, yeah. oh, in sure. Hollywood. That's um, a great pop-addled uh, episode with Keenan. So, you know, they love their top best fives. Best writers of dialogue. Uh, yeah, I like Best it. writers of dialogue. He's he's right up there. So can we um, tackle Jace Curran's question? Yeah. Yeah, yes. let's, yeah let's do that. There'll be a great end piece here. All right. the, the MacGuffin in Pulp Fiction. So yeah. what's in the case? Well, I, I'm sure Brian did a little bit of research. The thing that I always heard, and I think it's ridiculous because I, I think it's funny, but... but um, I think in the end, it doesn't matter what's in the case, which is why they they don't show it. But mm. um, I had heard someone say that it's like Marcellus Wallace's soul. Oh, that's funny. And oh. that's why he has the Band-Aid on the back of his neck, like something <laughs> sucked his well, soul I can, out. I can, and tell, I can tell you the Band-Aid was just Ving Rhames had a cut. He does. He, he has a scar there. Yeah, and they just put a Band-Aid. He had a Band-Aid yeah. or something on, and they're like, just leave it on for the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, I think this was his play on the idea of a MacGuffin, um, and they lit it, and I I, I couldn't find a definitive answer no. to that. I just thought it was interesting that it almost was not necessary to be answered. Mm -hmm. it was I kind of like stuff like that. It's like it, it turns out that, that if you care, if that's a problem for you, you're the same type of person who wouldn't like the show Lost. No, right. but, like, I, but I, I think like it's like things it's, like that. Yeah, but it's fun to discuss, Brian. No, no, like, no, it like is. But I'm saying like, I like discussing it. But there, <laughs> yeah, there's, some people who, there's some people who would be pissed off because they need the answer. I think it's fun to bounce this, the idea around yeah. what it is. I, I, I to me, the lighting was so crazy. Yeah. I was like, well, it can't be drugs because even people who are non-drug related in the film were intrigued by it. So what's right. something that's going to – and then when he says the Tim Roth in the diner, Samuel L. Jackson's, you know what that is, right? And no, he, like, says, yeah. he says, is, is that what I think it is? And he says, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's something – That it's it, recognizable, right? So like yeah. that, that suggests well, it like that it's something that he – he can understand what it is, but it's not like a case of money, right? right? Like it's not like well, a, I think yeah, certainly if, well, if the you, glow, yeah, right. Well, the glow is makes I mean symbolic, whatever. I like, know, but there's right. other things in this movie that are symbolic when she does the square. Yeah, you see it right now, and so like, yeah, you can't take for face value in this movie. Everything you're seeing on the screen is what the characters are seeing. Mm. Um, 
so to me, I think it's a it's a great choice because the moment you show that it's money or that it's drugs or that it's weapons, whatever you want to say it is, immediately there's a viewer or someone in the audience that has ne- something that doesn't feel like it's worth what's going on in the right. movie. Yeah. And so like to and leave cool it point too. Yeah, to leave it ambiguous means that it is the most important thing to every character and to the audience. Yeah. But it's but it it basically fulfills all motivations without ruining any. Yeah. I I just I thought it was interesting. There's so many great things in terms of that. Uh a must watch. It is on Netflix right now. Yes, it so is. if you Look are a Netflix subscriber, on Brad. Uh, you can uh you can do that. Oh, the chunks of by the way, the chunks of Marvin. Oh, oh wait, my god, in Samuel Jackson's hair. hair. One of my favorite oh. parts is when he's in the bed when they are arguing when they're cleaning up the car and he's like, "And why am I in the back?" Like yes. that. I love Harvey Keitel being at a funeral. Like I love that scene of him sitting on the twin bed <laughs> yeah. taking the Phone call so about good. like the the and, uh, and whatever and language he's using shows about the notepad, and who are the principals? What time is she arriving? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm to believe that part. she would be none too happy to find us here. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, him. He's one of my favorite the, characters in the movie. Oh, he's he's Mr. tremendous. Wolf. The, the uh, he got this movie made, by the way. Yeah, I bet. When he, he got it made. Um, the hair, just the one on the hair, the hair choices. Travolta oh, put yeah. the extensions in, and Quentin Tarantino was like, dude, what are you talking? He's like, just, I'll do it on my own, and I'll show up. Oh, my God. Um, I'm so sorry. And, we, and we have, I have one more thing I want to talk about. And then, but just the last thing is Samuel L. Jackson was supposed to have an afro, and uh-huh. they sent some white kid who didn't know what an afro was to the valley to pick up a wig, and he picked up a Jerry Curl wig instead. And Quentin Tarantino freaked out, and Samuel L. Jackson's like, "No, this is this is exactly what I need. I need a Jerry Curl wig." That's amazing. Um, and that's how that came about. All right. I love. Uh, we'll each get one more. So Brian okay. gets that. I get okay. one. Then you'll 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 back clean up and take take us out. Sounds good. So. The thing I love about Jules and and uh, Vincent is the way that they argue in this movie, and it's partly Quentin's dialogue and working within film, but he makes them argue about shit, and they don't hate each other at the end. They are arguing about like some serious stuff yeah. at certain points and some really mundane stuff at other points and have completely opposite views, and then they're just like, okay, let's let's go back to work and kill this guy um and i find that fascinating <laughs> and for one more comparison to the departed yeah uh the emotional connection yes. to all even ving rames right yeah. like look at how he works story development and character that even you can recognize that all three of them are horrible humans but you also care about them yeah that's a well-written story yeah hollywood Anyway, my final point was about the change of clothes that they get at Jim. Is it, is oh, at that looked like didn't that look I like something it. Jim and I would have worn in college. Um, I was, that, that was, was going to say. Th- I think the comment is like, "Are you going to play volleyball?" Yeah, that is all I wore Hilarious. for about four years. Yeah. Like that, they, I almost wore that tonight for the show. Like well, it looked at one point gear. like they had like like bathing suits on, but if it was like champion mesh shorts, yeah. yeah. It would have totally been yep. me and Brian. I love the banana Hysterical. slugs uh, shirt. So good. I so loved good. it so much. So um, we should probably hold Kanan's uh, porch man treatment until next episode because this is already an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But And we didn't get a chance to really tease it last week, but uh, Kenan Laird from uh, Pop Addled mm. has uh, started to record little treatments that we are going to play 
uh, explaining his Porchman movie idea from around probably a little bit after Pulp Fiction came out. When he was about 18, 19, he had an idea for a movie called Porchman. Um, and I will just tease it right now. It, it revolves around uh, a Delco legend of a guy who would always, whenever he drove down the street, he was always on his porch. He had like a nice screened in porch with a TV out there, always there. And everyone started to call him Porchman and wonder why he was always out on the porch. There's a few I, of these kinds of characters in Delco. There is. There's tall there's man. Tall Man, tall and then man. there's uh, the Pearl Lady. Isn't there like sure. the, the lady? And your brother um, knows all of them. And, and Keenan and I have, have taken some. Oh, the Red Man. Uh, red, I man. red Man. Red in a Man. Long time. Yeah, Red Man. And not from the Wu Tang. Not that Sorry, Red Man. No. no. Uh, Keenan and I had, it took a few cracks at the script before, yeah. years oh ago. Yeah. And I'm trying I, to and break and it down I'll, into I'll, a film. I even, to... I even have a little recording to kind of amp up the, uh, the excitement. All right. Here. We'll talk about that uh, next week man. because. Oh, oh there. Play that again. Play it again. Here we go. Well, there we go. Brian, you need to shut up so I can play it. You talking over it. Porchman. Keenan sounds so bassy and important in that. Mm. It's the keto diet. We're going to break it down. We're going to bring out the bass. I just watched the uh, Raiders uh, documentary. You know, the guys who made the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, remake. Uh, It took a dark turn at points. Okay. <laughs> it took a dark, but it was really interesting. If you want to watch it, it's on Netflix. Search Raiders if you want to see these kids who, when they were 13 years old, started doing a shot-for-shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, it was it was very interesting. All right, let's go spanning the globe. Uh, instant reaction. We posted our our trailer of the week. This week was Guy Ritchie's uh, live adaption of aladdin which oh, we had mentioned mm-hmm. yeah which we had mentioned briefly on the show when they released a picture of will smith as the genie mm-hmm. uh i did not like the teaser trailer mm. and i did not like the full trailer <laughs> um uh, people who commented mm-hmm. on this yes. seem to be excited about it i am not excited at all about this film i am not a huge aladdin fan i love uh, that one song with Robin Williams doing it. Um, I keep I keep wanting to say you got a friend. When he does all the different, doing yeah, the yeah. same thing. It's uh, never have a friend like never me. have there a friend like friend like yeah. me. Um, but I'm not a huge Aladdin fan. But the, I will say I understand how people kind of moved on this because the, the last trailer looks way more exciting and interesting. It's than, a compelling story. I feel I like there's there's the. The bits of song we heard are very good. Mm. I I, listen. I give Will Smith all the credit in the world because that was such a film driven by Robin Williams. Just to say, like, I'm going to do this. I don't know. I I also don't have Jafar in the movie. Yeah, Mike App is saying Jafar's bad. Looks bad. I don't know who that who's playing. It's all. It's a, a lot of people you wouldn't know. I think they purposely tried to cast proper ethnic actors. Yeah, he he just does not look. Very scary or commanding. Now, he looks. I just kind of. I don't. Yeah. Hey, though, Wash is going to be the voice of Iago. Yeah, so. and that is exciting. Wash. That is Wash. exciting. And yeah. I love Iago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll so watch it. I, I'm excited uh, about it. I, yeah. No. I like the turn uh, to the live action movies. I think that's fun. Yeah. yeah. Listen, it could be good. Um, Cinderella was good. I yeah. saw Claire wanted to see that. That yep. was good. Uh, Beauty and the Beast was good. Yep. I mean, they've been. Jungle you Book. know what's really weird though? Um, Disney is putting out Aladdin. 
Lion King, Toy Story, mm-hmm. and oh, I can't remember what the other one is. Frozen Star Wars. <laughs> no, no, but those three like live act all in the span of the next six months. Oh wait, it's Toy like Story's real... going to be live action? No, 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 to, oh. no. But these the live action ones and Toy Story, they're all coming out like Aladdin's May, Toy Story's August, uh, Lion King's July. Frozen it was really two. Frozen Two's November. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I don't know. I just didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, more importantly, though, the Avengers Endgame trailer yeah. came out mm. and was amazing. It mm. looks it looks very good. Katie, you didn't watch it. I didn't and watch it. We'll watch it after this and okay. get Katie's reaction for next yes. week. Um, and is the Infinity Decanter ready for it's the film? Close. It's like three quarters. It's pretty close. That's close enough. Yep. Yeah. It's close enough. That trailer was great. Oh, I highly Dumbo. recommend watching it. Jimmy Dumbo. says Dumbo. Dumbo. Thank that, you, yes, Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah. Thank you. Jimmy, uh, Dumbo is the other one. All of them are coming out in the next That is weird. I kind of thought months. they would do like one live action movie a year. Like I just thought that I, I, seems yeah, like Yeah, I don't know happening. what's going on with that. Yeah. Uh, Tim Burton's take on Dumbo. That kind of intrigues me because mm-hmm. it's Tim Burton's take on Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Dumbo. I, you know, maybe I hope I'm wrong. I'm sure I'll see Aladdin because Claire will want to see it. You know, and it's it, interesting. So. Like that's one of those movies that I feel like, you know, our kids haven't seen. I don't think a lot of kids have seen Dumbo the movie. Like that one's right, a little right, bit right. beyond, and it's not one of the princess films. Well, they it's also change it around it. a little bit, and it's it's the one they had to adapt the most. Mm. Um, because they had to add a lot to it, I guess. Okay. So there's more different story than Aladdin and Lion King, which are almost identical. Mm, the okay. Lion King, I'm excited about. Like a good That's gonna be movie. amazing. Uh, okay, uh, our question of the week: um, things we talk about over beer at Oscars, um, which I think Oscars is not only for sale, but I think it's closed currently. Oh, also no. for Sadness. fellow Scranton. Um, people out there, Green Frog is no longer the Green Frog. It's like a wine bar now. A wine uh, bar I, off yeah, campus? Something. Yeah. Apparently, Who's I was reading wine? how much Arbor Mist do they have? Oh, I don't know. No, what's this happening? is. I was. I was. I was reading somebody and was in one of the um like chat groups for the reunions. They like post on Facebook was saying that all the kids now like to go downtown and they want to go to more upscale bars. They don't oh, like see, the this idea makes of me think that the folks going to Scranton have a whole lot more money bars. than the folks who went to Scranton. Well, we know stuff. from the past week that they do. Although I don't think people from at Scranton week. are accepting bribes for kids to get in oh. there. Uh, yeah, I don't think no, that Scranton was on that no, list, Jim. I don't think we were on that list. <laughs> I don't think uh, Hollywood celebrities um, are you don't bribing. Know. You don't know. Uh, I don't bribing Pilar's to get in. Well, if you have to listen to this show, why wouldn't you want your go to Scranton? I mean, look um, at what's become of us. Yeah. Okay, so here's things we talk about a beer of Oscar. Uh, at Oscars, Ohio. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Try that one again, Brian. We'll we'll, we'll just go to that. Uh, So, there's an Ohio man. Yeah. um, Who for Lent has given up food Mm. and is only consuming beer Mm. and is saying this is something he took from 17th century uh, Mm. monks, excuse me. Uh, Del Harris, who Aileen pointed out, and I completely agree, works at something called 50 West Brewing Company in Cincinnati. So this is clearly a non-religious thing. This is a plug attempt for to promote his beer. he's going to die. No, he'll be fine. He's drinking just water. Uh, and beer. He's well, beer is no basically food. liquid bread. So he'll, yes. he'll be fine. He, this, he's saying he followed the 17th. He's already lost we about saw, 20 pounds. We saw Steve. We saw Wolfie do this. 
one yeah, intercession. That's true. He almost died. No, he and didn't. Like, he did lose he, a lot no, of weight. He, yeah, he was no. dying. That's what that was he what was, was happening. Dying. His, his was body was actually dying. Was dying You're all. not giving any nutrients to your body. You will like, know you Wolfie like we did at that time. Yeah, I don't think he was dying. Okay. Uh, but this he, leads me to my question. Great. If you had to pick only one thing to consume for 40 days, what would it be? Tea cooler. Oh, really? It's delicious. That is out of left field for me. I I, had I, no idea that you like tea cooler that oh much. Oh my god, I could go off the deep end with tea cooler. Am I? Am I? Am I? Am I so I'm sorry. Am You're I eating about, food too? No, I, so now it's I'm the only get, thing. So now so, I feel like it should be smoothies. I'm having water. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm getting very practical like, about this. I feel no, like no, my no, body. Smoo- it can I, only like, be one thing in the smoothie, and what? you can get water. You can't what? even make it. Yeah, you get water and one item. Like a That's drinkable this, yogurt. Well, I'm gonna no, take she a drinkable say, yogurt. She could say, yeah, like, I'm going to have, I'm like, a banana sto- smoothie. I'm going to take a, okay. a stony fine. field strawberry smoothie. Okay. okay. All right, there you go. Perfect. I'm going to go practical with it. I'm going water and pizza. Wait. Ooh, okay. Are we allowed to... F- oh, we're allowed to eat? Well, you get water. You can pick, yeah, you consume one thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it, it had to be, be liquid. No, 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 no. no. Hmm. You, would you pay attention. Cereal. Yeah, that's serious. I, I, I just re-listened what, to what serials? the Lord of the Rings episodes where the, where two of you were trying to explain to me this question about oh. what artist would you like to come? Oh up? my god, that was not <laughs> was, the high watermark. This is worse than this. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, no, I, I was would... reading the question. The question wasn't written well. Well, because it was all about like the guy only drinking one thing. So I thought yeah, literally the question is chose. if you had to pick only one thing to consume. Wait, but I thought it meant like a liquid thing. Because it doesn't the, say that. Liquid thing. <laughs> Aren't you the English teacher? Christ, can't you read? <laughs> all right. Cereal. Uh, cereal some, and water. That's we it. are cemented I'm... in stone as comm majors at this point. There is oh, no Jesus. <laughs> something that you actually have to do on this podcast is communicate and Sometimes and through, read and read. Yeah, I read it. I read. I read no, it. you uh, okay. you saw words. Yes. Oh my god. So what are you finally going with? If, cereal. Yes. What cereal? You gotta oh, pick oh, one. Cereal. Honey you can't have a variety. Honey, Honey nut Cheerios with banana. You're and awful. Milk. You can't have banana <laughs> or milk. <laughs> I would say. I would say it's fair to have a, a bowl of cereal with milk. Uh, like you could, you right. she can we'll get milk. milk. <laughs> right, we'll give you milk. I Thank guess. Thank you. Yeah, I um, I think the only thing that I probably wouldn't be sick of after forty days is pizza. Okay, interesting. I would pick chicken because I think you can pre- you can prepare it in lots of different ways. No, you can't. What are you preparing it with? Different. You can use like different. What, you like could grill the it. barbecue boiled. Yeah, and but you can grill it. You can. You can do it's not changing things. it that much. Poach You're, it. Poach it in some a, water. You could poach it. Oh. You could bake it. <laughs> We're getting quotes in in chat. Mike just said, "I I read it. And I, you saw words." Oh my god. Oh, let's just move I'm on. I'm sorry. Let's I'm thinking about let's, chicken poached Can we just water. cut our loss? I am really concerned because today's five questions is Katie. So uh, this is. <laughs> This could go downhill really fast. We might have to break Wild this into two episodes. Bitches. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, Hold here we on, go. Me... Here we go. How All many? Right, how many go. minutes are we at? Uh, no, we're under usually where okay, we usually are. Believe it. Uh, here we go. Point. Here we go. Um, all right, five questions. Mm-hmm. 
for Katie. Uh, first of all, uh, there's an amazing themed restaurant in Pulp Fiction that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Uh, thumbs up or oh, yeah. thumbs down on the idea of Jackrabbit Slims. Jackrabbit Slims. Um, they couldn't hear the question. Jim. I know. Sorry, Brian. Come on. No, they. They. I think they heard. Theme thumbs up or restaurants thumbs down? are restaurants. a thumbs up for Katie. Oh, really? I love a theme restaurant. Now, I am not going there for the best food. I'm going there for the experience. Uh, so I love some Disney restaurants, which are theme restaurants, right? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, theoretically. Right? Uh, one of my long-standing ideas for, <laughs> for an establishment. Stop. I don't know what's coming, Brian. What, I, hold I, on I, to I your fucking hear. hat. No, I absolutely want to hear what's coming i came up with this idea. somebody's gonna steal this idea now i came up with this idea i think when i was a high schooler and i come back to it every once in a while she's embarrassed to even tell me because i've never heard this this is bad oh, i can't wait this, this is, is this is this i have it all planned out oh right, what is it right. there are blueprints are you is, crying yes <laughs> it is a restaurant named rainy days and mondays <laughs> and um and, and i know rainy days and mondays always get you down but the idea is that inside it's going to always be I, I think i just broke this chair um it's always going to look like a beautiful day so it's ironic right and it's going to be a picnic style eating establishment now i recognize that some people do not like sitting on the ground so there would be a variety of seating options but the picnic motif would be the theme uh and so your your server would bring you your meal in a basket and uh so let's take the best thing about being at a picnic and take that out of the equation let's not be outside no it's gonna look like you're outside but the idea is that like if it's raining outside you can go to my restaurant and it's going to be it'll be like the planetarium right where it's like it looks like you're outside but you're not actually outside and so for all the folks who in the winter get the doldrums they can go to rainy days and mondays and it'll lift them right up. You, no more seasonal affective disorder. Katie yeah. is going to end it. All right. Question two. Uh, which actor is a better dancer on screen? Uh, John Travolta or Patrick Swayze? So I'm going with John Travolta because I have more movies I can reference with him dancing in different ways. Um, so John Travolta. Okay. I was very excited to watch the dance sequence in yeah. Pulp Fiction because that's one of the things that I remembered about the movie. Huh? Perfect. Uh, fill in the blank. Uma Thurman is Quentin Tarantino's muse. My muse uh, is... Jim DeSanto. That's not true. <laughs> you are you are the, the force in my life that makes me want to create beautiful things. Okay. Like Fair a enough. picnic picnic theme. Like, well, restaurant. I came up with that idea before I mentioned. Rainy yeah, her, her ideas since me have been <laughs> slightly better. Sli- slightly better. Uh, now, Katie, I know you wouldn't purchase anything from McDonald's now, but oh, GL- false. Oh, okay. Oh, so false. what's your favorite item on a McDonald's menu? Vanilla milkshake. Which is which don't, is... Don't ruin it for me. No, no, I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to ruin it. it. What I'm going to say is that um, if you search the internet about McDonald's there's this ongoing thing that the employees hate making and dealing with the milkshake so much that they often pretend that the milkshake machine is broken. Oh, well, I always have luck with actually getting okay. milkshakes. All right. Uh, I have also been known to love a... Is it a $5 shake? No, it is not a $5, $5 shake. shake. I do love a milkshake. They put but... bourbon in there? 
McFlurries are also amazing. Ooh, okay. But yeah. since they discontinued the Butterfinger McFlurry, I have shifted away from them because the other fillings are not as good as Butterfinger. You don't like the Oreo one? Nope. Do they have an Oreo one? They do. I don't even know. And M&M's. Uh, not as good. Right, fries, 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 fries oh. are the best McDonald's. You, do you know what they have the best, Dipped though? in a vanilla milkshake. Do you oh. know they have their fountain soda Coke? Recipe, yeah. Because of the way they store it and everything. Yeah. I hmm. dare you to not love a, a fountain soda Peg Coke loves, from there. It's Peg amazing. Coke from McDonald's. She does. Absolutely amazing. All right. Deep thoughts question of the week. Which Pulp mm. Fiction character would you have a glass of One Hope wine with? So uh, it was interesting when you were talking about um, the portrayal of Vincent in this movie that like he becomes more and more um, of a jerk because I loved him. And oh my God, he's <laughs> terrible. He's the worst character. Your choice of men is horrific. I don't mean the worst character in that he was written I... bad. He's just a terrible guy. No, he's not. Yeah. No, he is oh, not. He's so not. I dare you to go back. He's a heroin addict. That well, that's you, true. Go, but we yeah, all but have our problems. Least. Yeah, I think that's I'm the just least having of his a glass issues. Of wine with yeah. him. He killed Marvin. And that was an accident. Yeah, Jules went over a bump. I mean, <laughs> I'm not holding that against him. Oh. You're not holding that against him. No, we're going to dance. We're going to drink some wine. He's one of the worst characters in the film. He is. He's he, a vile individual. No, he is not. He is I think a if you gentleman. rank the characters of, as of awful people, mm -hmm. he's the top two no. in the whole film. Nope. We have Zed. And Zed's the other guy. dead, baby. Yeah. Zed's dead. Yeah, and I don't even count no, him as sorry. a major character. See, Bruce Willis, to me, is much more creepy. Like, watching him talk to the girlfriend and, like, lose his crap over his father's watch. I, mm -mm. Nope, I'm sorry. I don't care what you've done. If, if there's a point where you speak to your person like that, they gotta go. That is not a good sign. She... She should have gotten off of that chopper. It's a chopper, baby. Get off of the oh, chopper and don't. I thought back. you were going to pick Harvey Keitel. Without I do love oh, Harvey yeah, Keitel. I second. do love Harvey He was Keitel. awesome. But no, I'm going to sit with Vincent. Okay. Uh, recommendations. What does everybody mm. have for this week? You going? Yeah. Oh, one. I thought you were showing Baymax. 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 One Hope Coffee. Mm -hmm. Get it? No. Delicious. It's this house is cup. House cup coffee. One Hope Coffee. Uh, what hope coffee? Oh, we do make coffee, but I never talk house about it. House cup because... coffee. It's uh, tonight. I'm having what is considered the gym blend, which is Ethiopian and Brazil 50/50 mix. Uh, if you are nice to Brian, he might make you that. It's not currently offered on the website. Awesome. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy mm. is back. The original or the Season new? Season three, the, the new, new one. Okay. Jim and I have watched the first two episodes. And it's incredible. It's real good. Now they have a dog, Bruley, who visits from the office down the hall. <laughs> and he's amazing. And they are amazing. And they are bringing joy to the whole earth. Karamo's on it, Brian, who was who came to our house in Manny Uncle yep. one time. Claim to fame. Uh, oh, really? Mm -hmm. He was in the Philly... Uh, yep. Real world. Real world. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So many people came through that house. Yep. <laughs> so many people. Uh, my recognitions... Words. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, great movie. Uh, Aileen has been listening nonstop uh, to, on Alexa on our little uh, Echo 
in the kitchen as we're preparing dinner to mm-hmm. um, Dave Matthews Band Live at Red Rocks. Oh, that's a good CD. A great good. CD. Uh, Emperor, Empire Podcast spoiler special on Captain Marvel, and mm. they did a full breakdown on the Avengers Endgame. You can get that on Apple Podcast. Uh, highly Still recommend it. I haven't seen Captain Marvel. I need to get, get it. It was very, yeah, very good. Uh, and Aileen has never seen West Wing, and we started watching oh, it this week. How are you either. watching that DVD? Uh, no, it is on Netflix. Mm, we might need to do that. We've yeah. never watched. And uh, I, of course, have always loved West Wing. It is a fantastic. Is it written Aaron show. Sorkin? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. Aaron, I yeah, no, he is. This is this newsroom. Aaron Sorkin. Yes, <laughs> no, this is good. This is not. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin's there with Tarantino for dialogue, in my opinion. Yeah. When he when he's when, when he was trying. Well, the problem is he's an addict, uh, and you can tell when he's using and when he's not using a lot of times unfortunately um in terms of when he writes things uh allegedly 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 um next week 2001 space Odyssey. i'm excited to watch that again that's one of my earliest like movie viewing memories <clears throat> yeah. yes i'm Steve very Bullock. excited and, science. and also porchman Ooh. part one Yes, the, I can't. Are like we going to break audio this? Tale? Yeah, Keenan recorded a five-minute audio parts. <laughs> yeah, he's so no, no. The, the five-minute oh, is just th- is so the five-minute thing Keenan recorded is the um, kind of like a, a high-level synopsis of what the movie's about, and then okay. the first. So it in in Quentin Tarantino style, it consists of five separate stories. Ooh. Okay, and it, it, this five-minute. Very porch nice, porch man includes the first story i'm excited okay. amazing fantastic um yeah. again uh if you could share us like us review us subscribe uh, on, on your subscribe. channels yeah. yeah all that stuff um and, and also go check out our friend keenan at, at pop battle they do a lot of fun podcasts they were uh talking about uh a bunch of different comics and, and movies and music this week it was uh, yes. a good episode great alanis morissette yeah, uh, is discussion. Alanis Morissette grunge? I'll leave right. that in your brain. Yeah, great discussion. It was a great yeah. episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with 2001 Space Odyssey. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.